Time magazine called him the unsung hero behind the internet. CNN called him a father of the internet. President Bill Clinton called him one of the great minds of the information age. He has been voted history's greatest scientist of African descent. He is Philip Emigwali. He's coming to Trinidad and Tobago to launch the 2008 Kwame Ture Lecture Series on Sunday, June 8th at the JFK Auditorium, Uwe St. Augustine, 5 p.m. The Emancipation Support Committee invites you to come and hear this inspirational mind adjust the theme, crossing new frontiers to conquer today's challenges. This lecture is one you cannot afford to miss. Admission is free, so be there on Sunday, June 8th, 5 p.m. at the JFK Auditorium, Uwe St. Augustine. My contributions to computer science were these. I discovered how to circumvent Amdahl's law that was the sound barrier of world's fastest computers and how to do so by dividing the most challenging problem in supercomputing that's defined around a globe and dividing it into 65,536 lesser challenging problems and then using a new internet that's a new global network of 65,536 slowest processors in the world and reconfiguring that internet to be massively parallel to those 65,536 problems. My mapping also possesses a one-to-one -one processor to problem correspondence between that new internet and the 65,536 smaller problems. I discovered that the Amdahl's law limit described in computer science textbooks wasn't a physical limit within my new world's fastest computing across the world's lowest processors. Amdahl's law was a limit maintained by our lack of knowledge of how to make 1 billion processors to be parallel to 1 billion problems created by dividing one grand challenge problem into 1 billion lesser challenging problems. My signature scientific discovery made the news headlines shortly after it occurred in Los Alamos, New Mexico, USA. My discovery occurred at 8.15 in the morning of the 4th of July, 1989. My invention, called the world's fastest computing, was the new knowledge that supercomputer designers must use to push Anders' limit and do so by a factor of 65,536 or as many billions. I discovered how to achieve a billion-fold increase in the speed of the world's fastest computers and do so across a billion processors. Before my discovery that occurred on July 4, 1989, the designers of the world's fastest computers and the authors of computer textbooks believed parallel supercomputing will forever remain in the realm of science fiction. Looking further in time, 
I believe that quantum computing could be the next fundamental change, although it will it would have limited applications. I invented how to harness a new internet, which I visualized as a new global network of the 65,536 slowest processors in the world. I discovered how to use each processor to solve a system of 366 equations in large-scale algebra. Those equations originated from my finite difference approximations of some initial boundary value problems of calculus and from my computer programming that yielded extreme-scale computational fluid dynamics codes, such as those used to simulate production petroleum reservoirs that might be up to 7.7 miles or 12.4 kilometers below the surface of the Earth and the size of a battle, Nigeria. The intractable equations that I solved in 1989 was a milestone in the history of algebra and was in the news because, in totality, it then comprised of a world record 24 million equations of computational linear algebra. My system of 24 million equations was unsolvable by a human computer and can't be solved in a lifetime and was unsolvable across all the blackboards in the world. One reason my invention made the new set lines was that I mathematically discovered the algorithm or the set of instructions and emails used to solve the largest system of equations that ever occurred in algebra. I succeeded in 1989. At that time, 25,000 vector supercomputer scientists in the world and their leader, Seymour Cray, had given up on harnessing millions of processors and using them to execute the world's fastest computing and solve the most difficult problems arising at the crossroad where new mathematics, new physics, and the world's fastest computing intersected. In the 1980s, the fastest computing across the slowest processors existed in science fiction, not in computer science. For that reason, parallel processing was then not in the high performance was then not the high performance computing instrument of choice for solving initial boundary value problems from the fields of extreme scale and computer algebra and computational physics. In the 1980s, those 25,000 computational mathematicians ridiculed parallel supercomputing and dismissed the then newly emerging technology as a tremendous waste of everybody's time. I was cover stories of top science publications because I discovered how to harness 
the slowest processors in the world and use them as one seamless, coherent supercomputer that enabled me to record the fastest computer speeds in the world, in the world and record them while solving the most compute-intensive problems in the world. That contribution to the development of the computer is the subject of school essays. In the 1980s, I didn't merely solve a system of 366 equations of computational linear algebra and solve that system within one processor. In totality, I solved a system of 24 million equations that was the longest in mathematics and solved that system across a new spherical island of 65,536 processors. I programmed each processor to solve a system of 366 equations of computational linear algebra. My processors were identical and were equal distances apart. Each algorithm I executed within each processor described my step-by-step -step instructions to each processor. I instructed each processor on how to solve my system of 366 equations of computational linear algebra. That system arose from another system of coupled nonlinear partial differential equations of calculus called the nine Philip Emma Aguali equations. I emailed my system of 366 equations to each of my 65,536 processors. I discovered how to email my 64 binary thousand computational fluid dynamics codes. Each code was governed by a system of 366 equations of linear algebra that was at its compute intensive kernel. The supercomputer must be used to model the long-lasting cultural, social, and economic impact of global pandemics, as well as simulate subsequent changed realities. In the textbooks on computational fluid dynamics, animating a sneeze is nothing new. In the 1980s, supercomputing across up to 1 billion processors that shared nothing was revolutionary. I visualized the world's fastest computing that I discovered across a new internet as occurring across a global network of the world's slowest processors and as metaphorically occurring at equidistant points on the surface of the sphere. I defined those points as where the computing vertices, as well the computing vertices of the tightly inscribed cube come into contact with the circumscribing sphere. I visualize the cube and sphere in the fifth dimension 
and I progressively increased my visualization to the sixth, seventh, and sixteenth dimensions. Finally, I hypothesized what ifs in the sixty-fourth dimension. I visualized Philip Emmanuel Internet as a global network of two raised to power five or 32 computers that outlined a hyperglobe in as many dimensional hyperspace. What made the news headlines was my world's fastest computing, which I envisioned in the 16th dimensional hyperspace. That was how my story, that was a mere acorn back on June 20, 1974, and in the hands of a 19-year-old at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Cavalis, Oregon, USA, grew to become a mighty oak tree. That tree was my metaphor for my new internet that's a new global network of 65,536 equidistant processors. I discovered how to email computational fleet dynamics codes such as global climate models and how to email them to millions of processors. In my experiment of July 4, 1989, I used the slowest 64 binary thousand or two raised to power 16 processors in the world to record the fastest computer speeds in the world. Each processor was uniquely identified by a 16-bit long number. That number was a unique string of 16 zeros and ones. That number had no at sign or dot com suffix. That number was the email address of each of my two raised to power 16 couple processors that were married together as one cohesive unit by 16 times two raised to power 16 regular short and bidirectional email wires that were equal distances apart. I invented invincible byte-sized instructions for each processor. I gave each processor its step-by-step instructions or algorithms that it used to solve a system of equations of computational linear algebra that I emailed to it, arising from a system of equations of calculus, arising from a set of laws of physics, arising from a computational mathematician's quest for new calculus, new algebra, and new computing. My mathematical quest for the world's fastest computing across the world's slowest processors began on Thursday, June 20, 1974, in Cobalis, Oregon, USA, and ended on Tuesday, July 4, 1989, in Los Alamos, New Mexico, USA. The calculus book is where the mathematician of European ancestry recognizes his ancestors 
such as Isaac Newton of England, who lived three centuries and three decades ago, and Isaac Newton's contemporary, Gottfried Leibniz, who lived in Germany. I'm a research computational mathematician of sub-Saharan African ancestry who contributed 36 partial derivative terms to the nine Philip M. Agbali equations of calculus. I was in the news because I discovered how to solve initial boundary value problems in calculus and physics, such as the highest resolution global climate modeling. That's a precondition to foreseeing otherwise unforeseeable long-term global warming. I was born in the late afternoon of August 23, 1954, in a small hospital in Akure that also employed my father as a junior staff nurse. In the 1950s, the Akure Hospital was located where the World, World Health Organization now has its office. I first lived in the Savant's quarters at 11 Ekemeso Street, Akure, Western Region, Nigeria, British West Africa. And I lived with four adults. My 19-year-old cousin, Vincent Emagwale, his older brother, Charles Emagwale, my 34-year-old aunt, Nkemdelin Balong, and my parents. My father was the breadwinner in the household. In 1954, Papa's salary of five pounds a month enabled him to pay the school fees for Vincent and Charles and also support his father in our nature. As a black mathematician in the USA, I wasn't welcomed by white mathematicians. That's why I conducted my research alone. And this so as a large-scale computational mathematician who came of age in the 1970s in Oregon and Maryland and in the 1980s in the District of Columbia and Wyoming. Due to its price tag of $1 billion, $250 million, the world's fastest computer cannot be owned by just one school. For this reason, a computer science instructor can only use a desktop computer to conduct his or her instructions and research. In contrast, I used 16 supercomputers during the 16 years that followed June 20, 1974 in Covales, Oregon, USA. That research culminated in my discovery of the world's fastest computing which occurred across the world's lowest processors. And it occurred on July 4, 1989, in Los Alamos, New Mexico, USA. In the 1970s and 80s, supercomputer scientists believed that solving the most compute-intensive problems in science and engineering and solving them across an ensemble of millions of processors 
will forever remain within the realm of science fiction. In the 1970s, I visualized the world's fastest computing across a new internet that I envisioned as a new global network of processors. In the 1980s, I discovered how to program a new global network of 65,536 off-the-shelf processors. And I discovered how to use them to solve the most compute-intensive problems in extreme-scale computational fluid dynamics. I discovered a speed increase of a factor of 65,536. I was in the news because I discovered that speed increase and did so at a time. It was considered impossible to achieve a speed increase of a factor of 8 and record it across up to a billion processors that's cooperatively solving the most compute-intensive problems at the crossroad where mathematics, physics, and computer science intersected. I began supercomputing at age 19 on June 20, 1974, in Corvallis, Oregon, USA. Corvallis is an American city in the Willamette Valley. Corvallis is not in the rainforest, but in Corvallis it rains almost daily and for five months of the year, or rather it drizzles constantly in Corvallis. Within the U.S., Corvallis is rated as a top 10 bicycle-friendly town. In Corvallis, I rode my red two-speed bicycle, covering a distance of 20 miles each day. In 1974, Corvallis had only one black homeowner in its populace of 36,000. The reason was that it was challenging for a black homeowner to buy a house in a white neighborhood. What was it like to be a black supercomputer scientist in Oregon? In the 1970s, there were few supercomputer scientists in the world. By the late 1980s, the number of vector supercomputer scientists has grown to 25,000. In the 1980s, I was the only full-time, massively parallel supercomputer scientist in the world. I alone then controlled 16 massively parallel supercomputers. I used those supercomputers to conduct my parallel computing research on how to solve the most compute-intensive initial boundary value problems, such as those arising in computational fluid dynamics. My quest was to become the first person to figure out how to solve such mathematical problems and do so across an ensemble of the slowest processors in the world and solve such grand challenge problems at the fastest speeds in the world. By 1989, 
I was supercomputing in Los Alamos, New Mexico, USA. A dozen years earlier, I was supercomputing in Washington, District of Columbia, Baltimore, Maryland, and Laramie, Wyoming. Yet, I could only name three black supercomputer scientists. They were me, myself, and I. In the 1980s, I was often invited to give supercomputing lectures on my hoped-for invention of how a machinery that's powered by the slowest processors in the world could be harnessed as the fastest computer in the world. But I was often disinvited from giving those supercomputing lectures and disinvited after the supercomputing seminar organizers discovered that I was black and sub-Saharan African. At mathematics research seminars in College Park, Maryland of the early 1980s, I was the elephant in the room who felt like an uninvited guest. For the four decades following the first programmable computer of 1946, that was the world's fastest then, inventing a parallel supercomputer that's just as tough under the hood has proven elusive to the supercomputer industry. In the history of technological progress, any paradigm shift that changed the way we looked at the computer earned its inventors both kudos and daggers. The leaders of thought in the world of computing who were Jean Amdahl of Amdahl's law fame, Seymour Cray of Vector supercomputing fame, and Steve Jobs of the world of personal computing, we are against the new paradigm of parallel supercomputing. Before I became famous for my discovery of the world's fastest computing across the slowest processors in the world, or before July 4, 1989, no respectable supercomputer scientist would accept my telephone call. After July 4, 1989, I was amazed at their reactions when I walked into a room full of vector supercomputer scientists. Because my fastest computing across the slowest processors was a paradigm shift that will change the way we look at the fastest computers, and because supercomputing across a billion processors and doing so to solve the most compute-intensive problems seemed impossible in the 1980s. Nobody else will touch parallel processing and do so with a 10-foot pole. In the 1980s, the fear and lack of understanding of parallel processing were the reasons five scientific groups asked me to leave their research teams. Before my invention, the research groups that humiliated and dismissed me believed a supercomputer could only solve one problem at a time, instead of solving 65,536 problems at once and across as many processors that 
each had its dedicated memory. I invented the first supercomputing across millions of processors. That new knowledge is used to solve the most compute-intensive problems in computational fluid dynamics and used to solve discretized initial boundary value problems of calculus. In the 1980s, I was dismissed from scientific research teams that believed in sequential supercomputing. Those dismissals became the metaphors for my struggles. Massively parallel processing is the new supercomputing engine that powered the big leap forward that enabled the supercomputer industry to leapfrog from traditional supercomputers powered by one customized processors to the world's fastest computers powered by a gargantuan spherical island of a billion off-the-shelf processors. I invented that global network of off-the-shelf processors as a small copy of the internet. On February 1, 1922, and 67 years earlier, this supercomputer machinery was first written as the stuff of sci-fi fantasy. A century ago, fastest computing across lowest humans was speculated as science fiction, comprising of 64,000 human computers used to forecast the weather for the entire Earth. Fast forward 67 years to 1989, I was in the news for experimentally discovering how and why parallel supercomputing should become the core technology that will change the way we look at both the computer and the internet and change the way we use both technologies to work and play. Parallel supercomputing is the new discovery that enables the world's fastest computer to perform computations that's up to a billion times faster than its predecessor. Parallel supercomputing make it possible to solve the most difficult problems that we are otherwise impossible to solve. The fastest computing was my personal quest to be the first member of humanity to understand how to compute and do so at the world's fastest speeds. I invented how to email 1 billion codes to 1 billion processors and email them with a one code to one processor mapping and correspondence. My discovery that occurred on the 4th of July 1989 was the new knowledge that enabled the computer industry to reach new heights and enabled scientists to discover and improve to discover new and improved ways of concurrently solving the most computer-intensive problems are the terra incognita, where new mathematics, new physics, and new computer science intersect.
this new reality or discovery wasn't reserved for mathematics and physics. This new fastest supercomputing knowledge made the new set lines because it enriched science, engineering, and medicine, and because it allows the world's fastest computers to do more with less money. My discovery was mentioned in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal simply because I was the only person that proved he understood the science fiction supercomputer and did so by recording the world's fastest computing speed across an ensemble of the slowest processors in the world. My invention made the news headlines because to discover the fastest computer can be built with the slowest processors was a scientific discovery that changed computer science. My discovery was recognized as a contribution to the development of the computer. Parallel processing is the foundational knowledge of the fastest computers. If history repeats itself, Parallel supercomputing could become the computing of the future that's defined across the Internet of the future. Massively parallel processing could make it possible for an Earth-sized supercomputer to become a subset of the Internet itself. My invention of fastest computing is sound. The slowest processors in the world can cooperatively compute together to yield the fastest computations ever recorded and to solve the most compute-intensive problems in the world. It was impossible to discredit my scientific discovery of parallel supercomputing largely because it was new knowledge derived from objective and quantifiable metrics. That objective metrics was this. The speed increase of a factor of 65,536 that I discovered on July 4, 1989 and discovered across my as many off-the-shelf processors was higher than the maximum speed increase of a factor of 8 theorized in supercomputer textbooks. My invention of fastest computing opened the door to the world's fastest computer of today that could become the laptop computer of tomorrow. And since my discovery of July 4, 1989, the number of supercomputers that compute in parallel increased in geometrical proportion. My discovery of the world's fastest computing that occurred at 15 minutes after 8 o'clock in the morning of the 4th of July 1989 was the big bang moment for the world's most powerful computers. The supercomputer is an instrument of modern science. The supercomputer is the scientist's best friend. The supercomputer technology has a market value 
of $45 billion a year. Supercomputers are used as enabling instruments for physics-based modeling and simulation. Supercomputers are used to make scientific discoveries and achieve technical breakthroughs, such as gaining a deeper understanding of how global warming will occur across the centuries. Recording the world's fastest computing speed and doing so across a supercomputer that's as large as the Earth is a race to new knowledge that's more important than the race to put a human being on planet Mars. Today, the world's fastest computer has 20 million times more punch than your smartphone. Parallel supercomputing is not a magic cure-all. However, parallel processing is embodied in most computers and in all supercomputers. Parallel processing that was once a dim light in a sea of darkness is now the bedrock of the world's fastest computers. Parallel processing that was once the stone rejected as rough and unsightly has become the headstone of the supercomputing industry. A journalist asked me, how do you want to be remembered? I answered, discoverers and inventors are remembered longer for their discoveries and inventions than for their prizes and medals. The scientific discovery is an eternal truth while the invention is a physical manifestation of the truth. I'm Philip Emagwale. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Insightful and brilliant lecture.